We come to this place for magic. We come to pop overview, to laugh, to cry, to drink. Because we need that, all of us. That indescribable feeling we get when we hit the play button and go somewhere we've never been before. Sound that I can feel. Somehow, heartbreak feels good in a place like this. Not just entertained, but somehow reborn. Together. Pop Poor Review. We make movie podcasts better. Va changer d'ambiance pour fêter ça. On va vous escorter, c'est plus fédant. Ça va, ça va. Je vous ai aidé quand même. Philippe, l'escorte. L'escorte. Escorte. Escorte plus prudente. Welcome back, everyone. Have you popped open a beer or poured yourself a glass of wine yet? Because you're listening to Pop Poor Review with Jimmy Chico. Hi. Kelly Gong. Hello. And myself, Matt Chico. We are the movie podcast where we journey through the IMDb Top 250 movie list. If you don't have a drink yet, you can try today's inspired drink based off number 47, The Untouchables. It's the number at the time of the recording. The drink is The Upside Tequila, Blue Curacao, Pineapple Juice, Lime Juice, Simple Syrup, uh, a salt rim and pineapple wedge. What was the uh, name again? The upside. Oh, he just copied the, the American version. I know because I I couldn't think of a a, a good title. I was like, ah, I'll wheelchair. just throw a little. I'll just, like well, that's the sound. That sounds sad. I figure I throw a little nod to the remake. Um, but yeah, so number forty-seven, The Untouchables. Did you guys read? I've been reading everywhere that's like 2011, but then like I see some places where it's like 2012. Is that just because it came to America in 2012, possibly? Probably. It was probably okay. at some film festivals or released that like I would say 2011 is the no, film's that's... release year. Because on Wikipedia it says like in France in 2011. I just wasn't sure like once it. Yeah, hit so it's it's America. in 2011. So yes, yeah, so The Untouchables number 47, uh, 2011. The director Olivier Nakash and Eric Toledano. Writers Olivier Nakash, Eric Toledano, and Philippe Pozo de Borgo. Uh, starring... You put a little bit of a French accent on it, not just like this New York accent you do. Sorry, I've I've been I I didn't want to butcher like I did with Tokyo Story, so I've been actually practicing with the word. I was like reading them. Okay, 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 and then I didn't read it for like a whole day, so I got nervous as I was going down that list. So I was like, as long as I get it right, I don't care if there's a French accent or a New York accent. I just want to <laughs> properly say it. And then starring Francois Pozet and Omar Sy. Um, IMDb rating 8.5 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes score 76% critics, 93% audiences. Letterbox 4.1 out of 5. Box office domestic um, 13.2 million, 17.9 adjusted for inflation. And worldwide 484.6 million, 656.5 million adjusted for inflation. So did anyone know this was like a huge worldwide like movie? Like yes. it made a lot of money? Yeah. Okay. Because when I did the research for it, I was like, oh, 13, you know, respectable for America for a foreign film. And then I was like, holy fuck. I was like, because it's like, it's literally over half a billion adjusted for inflation. I was like, Whoa, this movie was popular. I this, was like, I knew this th- was what got Omar Sy into, uh, I think, Days of Future Past. Th- well, yeah. Then I started to read about it. I was like, okay, I sort of remember, like, not the movie, but, like, Omar Sy. And then I remember, like, the ups. I remember when The Upside came out, the, like, the 2019 remake for America. That's pretty close considering how big this was. Nowadays, though, I feel like that's a normal thing. Did you just see the article? It's funny that we were talking about this, like, that Chris Rock is directing a remake for another round. Yeah, I did see that. And that's already that's literally 
That was 20, 2020 20, or 2021. Yeah. So that's literally three or four years. I'm like, they, what do you think? And then the director had the best response. The director said, if it's shit, he's going to get slapped again. I was like, oh my God, like I don't condone violence, but like that is just a wild quote right there. <laughs> But I'm well, like, I mean, you gotta like. There have been American remakes. Like, there's a big if there's a big movie, they're like, oh my god, we're gonna do it like an American remake. No, no yeah, like, but it usually is like a larger period of time. I think now. No, remember when they were shorter. gonna do the Parasite remake on HBO? Okay, but they and didn't then, do it. No, I think they're like they got cast people cast and then they're like, wait, no, this isn't good. We're not okay. doing this. Well, they didn't go through with it, so you can't use that as an example. And also, that's what me and Kelly are saying. Nowadays, it's a lot sooner than it used to be. That was in 2019. Also that's more par- in the conversation what yeah. we're saying. And like the Parasite remake also wasn't that going to be a television show? So it was a yeah, like a mini series. Yeah, yeah. So like that's like different versus like remaking like the entire movie. Like even Baz Luhrmann, even though he, even though um, Far Away Downs is a terrible fucking show, waited like close to 20 years before re-releasing Australia. But I feel like we've talked about this before. Just to, like overall, yes, there are exceptions, but overall the remake does not do nearly as well as the original, except for like I think The Departed. I mean, I, I can think of one that maybe not by box office, but critically and me personally uh, let the right one in. I like the American version better. Oh yeah, that was good. Uh, like I said, there's a few ones. I'm just saying, like, but overall, normally it's like they they change it for American audiences, where it's like, and especially nowadays, I think since Parasite, I think a lot more people have been open to foreign films, and I think that is, it's just now meaningless to remake it, where it's just why not just watch the original. I I'm gonna say like yes and no on that, just because like I'm I'm more of a yes on that. It's just kind of like, I mean, sometimes the American one is somewhat equal, but most of the time. Yeah. 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 I, I guess I'll take that back. I actually like agree more with Matt on that. Like, why are we remaking this? Yeah, sure. There are, like I said, there are always exceptions for everything we say. But I'm just like, in general, like, you have to really have an amazing movie and translate it really well for it to work. Yeah. The Untouchables remake, The Upside didn't even make. Like it made worldwide 125 million. I'm like, it also got terrible reviews. Yeah, it's, it's like a 37 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, and it I had a decent audience like score, that. but yeah, it had a decent audience score, but nothing. It was like 70s, nothing crazy. But it's just why I remember it being very. It was popular in the U.S. Like the box office is pretty good for. It was, it was over. It was maybe. over 100 million in the yeah, U.S. Yeah, it, it it did pretty well here. I, I think that. That also plays into the time that it came out. That was like Kevin Hart's peak here in the U.S., where he was pretty much almost like a guaranteed box office hit with the movies that were coming out during that time, right? Like that was when Kevin Hart was really around, big. yeah, around that time. But also, don't forget if this movie, like, like, I think like, like Night School and stuff, yeah. So like, it was just like everything he did was like pretty much a guaranteed profit at that time. Yeah, like I was saying. Like with the box office with the original, I had no idea. But like, if this was so well loved, I could see people being even interested, no matter if they're like, oh, you can't read, you can't do it better. Just being interested to see a new version because it seemed like a very crowd favorite, crowd loving movie. And that just blew my mind reading about like the success of this movie. I feel like this movie is like 
if more people had given it a chance at the time it came out, we're talking about it definitely would have been on parasite level. Oh, you're talking like, about the, the original, yes? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, ew, yeah. No, I, no, that's I what just, we're talking about. That's the, that. the movie we're talking about. None I just of want, us are going to say anything about the upside. No, no, no. <laughs> I, we've just been that. bouncing back and forth. That's why I, was, I just wanted to be like, wait, Kelly, you, you want to compare would, this to Parasite? <laughs> I would never fucking, <laughs> I would never say the upside. Okay, no, I just want to make sure. Sorry. With the Untouchables, it's just kind of like, literally, US audiences would have like ate this up. Like, had it gotten, like, an actual, like, release, like, a wide type. I don't know if it had a s- small release or anything, but... Yeah, I'm not sure it, about that. If it had any type of wide release here in the United States, I'm honestly... I'm pretty sure that it would have done really well. Like, you know, the word of mouth on this would have gone, like, would have been amazing. Yeah, I mean, f- granted, it's not amazing, but for a movie, in- a foreign film in 2012 or 2011... Like, fourteen million isn't bad, isn't terrible. Like oh, it could no, be better. I, disagree, I disagree with you with saying that it's not amazing. I think this film's amazing. I love it. No, no, no. I didn't say that. I said the number. Like the number oh. is like not terrible for a twenty eleven forum film. Like back then, I feel like America didn't. It wasn't as like oh, let's watch all these foreign films. I feel like it's been getting more and more, and like that's what it should be. But like. Yes, the number could be much better if it came out with a proper rollout. I don't know how the rollout was. And if it was like after Parasite and all that stuff. But 13 is a decent number. I agree with you. This movie's great. Jimmy, Jimmy, why wasn't I I know I asked you after we finished watching it, like, how come this didn't get any recognition? Well, I don't it know. did. I, I have it, to see no, what else at, was nominated. I meant at year. the Academy Awards. Oh. I know it got the Caesar Awards, which is basically the Academy Awards in France, but yeah. at our actual Academy Awards, this got no love. No, yeah. So, like, like I was going to say, like, the Oscars, there were no Oscars, but it did win the Golden Globe for Best Foreign Film. It got a BAFTA and a Critics' Choice nomination for Foreign Film, and then it made the Oscar shortlist because France submitted it, and it made the shortlist, just didn't get the five. It was, I believe, the year of a separation, and that was a very... Like that was sweeping. Like that was the like foreign film that was I sweeping mean, that year. That's perfectly fine, but the fact that it didn't even get a nomination. Is yeah, I, I think that was a big shock really based weird. on like the other awards it got. Like it got it won the Golden Globe and it got nominated for BAFTA and Critics Choice. And usually, I think it was just one of those like, oh, that that's one of those kind of crazy snubs of that year. You know what? It's because it made money. That's why. <laughs> I was no, actually, I, mean, I was actually thinking that, Kelly. I was I'm like, looking fuck, I made at money. it. So the Oscars was like a foreign movie that made money. Go fuck it. Fuck yourself. I'm, I'm looking at it, and I mean, there was no French film that year, so I don't know. I mean, in a separation, I've seen that, and that was unbelievable. Well, no, but... Jimmy, this was the selection. It just didn't get. It made the shortlist. No, you can have more than one selection. No. The Oscar, you can select one movie. That's why. That's why the Anatomy of a Fall didn't get it because France selected, I think, the Taste of Things this no, year. No, France selected selected that because the director of Anatomy of a Fall was making statements about the French government, and they were like, "Well, we're not going to submit." No, I know, you. but you can only submit one film. I don't think so. No, I was reading about it because I I was interested about that after the whole Anatomy of a Fall thing. You submit. One as your this is what we're submitting, and then it goes to the short list, and then it goes to the nominations. I, I'm sorry, no, then I might be wrong because I always thought it was. I thought you can do different, and that's why, like, ones. that's why Tokyo, uh, that's why Japan didn't submit Godzilla minus one because they did Perfect Days, I believe. Yeah. yeah, they select one 
uh, from their government. And I think the government or like whatever that committee selects one movie and then that's the one that goes into it. It's a stupid rule, I feel like, because I feel like if you have a bunch of movies, why not put them in? But uh, let's do some shotgun facts. Um, who wants to start? Jim, you want to go? I don't know why, but this I was reading this and it made me laugh and I actually screenshot it to save for this for this day. With 8.8 <laughs> million moviegoers, this was the most successful film in Germany in 2012, beating Skyfall, Ice Age, Continental Drift, and Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 2. Why it isn't is that Ice Age is always there? Sorry. It is the most successful French film in German cinema history. That made me laugh because I was like, you picked Skyfall, Ice Age, Continental Drift, and Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 2. Ice Age is just the... Ice Age is just our, like, that's our threshold for like if a movie's good if it's better than ice age mm -hmm. i always find it so funny how like those like ice age like can do like just like you're like oh these movies suck but you're like why are they getting made still and then it's like it's super successful overseas and it's like they're making it for a different market but yeah it's everything's not for america they oh, make yeah. things for other countries that's why we had some sequel that like bombed here but they were like no it did really well somewhere else so we're just gonna make another one what was what's your shotgun fact kelly the movie has become a cult favorite in canada not sure why in particular it has played every year at the windsor international film festival since 2012 well this it movie could be was a, a cult favorite because half of canada is under like french territory so fair france. enough france. i just also think this movie is a very like crowd favorite where it's like it just was like blowing up everywhere all over the world. Like, it's just like, oh, it's a fun, like heartfelt movie. But like my shotgun facts also has to do with the box office, all that. It became the biggest box office hit in France, just passing the 2008 film Welcome to the Sticks. The film was voted the cultural event of 2011 in France until it was eclipsed by 2014 by Lucy, which is now the most viewed French film in the world. I oh, saw no, that. I'm sorry. It was clipped by Lucy and then separate set, set statement it, it it was the most viewed french film in the world with 51.5 million tickets sold sorry Kelly, what were you saying i saw that fact and i forgot about it but i was just like lucy really i was like that is so that's the so scarlett weird. johansson one yeah, yeah i had to i had to double check i'm like is that a french film and i was like oh yeah it is it's it's like america and france well it's, it's directed by luke besson so mm -hmm. I was just kind of like I had this I had to check it too and I was like no it can't be that Lucy and then it was that Lucy and I was like what I'm like not that Lucy was a bad movie but I was just like that's just such a weird movie to overtake it like as like number one right yeah I never saw it but like I I had to double oh, check you never I was saw like Lucy no I had to double check I'm like we're talking about the Lucy with Scarlett Johansson right but yeah Jimmy do you want to um before we take a quick break do you want to give us the summary of the Untouchables? A rich quadriplegic living in a mansion in Paris requires a live-in carer. A young offender turns up for an interview, but he is not really looking to get the job. However, to his surprise, he is hired, and the two men then develop a close friendship. And we'll be right back. Hi, best friend. Hi. Oh my god, are you okay? Yeah, just having to do this promo that you're making me do, but it's okay. Yeah, same. I have to do it too. <laughs> Hi, best friend. Hi, best friend. I'm Kelly. I'm Kelsey. And our podcast is Good Luck Everyone Else. Someone told us seven years ago that we were funny enough to start a podcast, so here we are, finally getting around to it. We don't know what we'll say or what we'll get into, but we can say we release every Friday. So hang out with us then. We're available wherever you get your podcasts. 
Good luck. And we're back. Number 47, The Untouchables, as we always do. Do you think it deserves to be on the IMDb Top 250 movie list? And if so, is 47 a correct number? Kelly, we'll start with you. Um, it definitely deserves to be in the top 250. 47. I mean, I really love this movie. Like, I truly enjoyed it, like, to, like, the max. Might actually be my favorite movie that um, we've done so far. I rem- I know I said that about another one, but this one I really loved. Out of but- all of the IMDb Top 250 movies? Yeah, because I really nice. like this movie. But... The problem is, is that we run into the issue again where it's like, I loved it for the story and everything like that. But I was like, is it like, what mark did it make on cinema, on cinema, like cinema history? And that's where I'm just like, 47 is, is 47 too high? I don't know. I'm like torn. I'm going to say well, between one and 100. <laughs> to play it. devil's advocate, technically, like I, you could say the mark is that like it's the num, it's one of like the like the number one foreign films in like all of these other countries. Uh, yeah, but it's hard because it's just like I'm trying to find out about what it what about it like stands out. And it's like yes, the chemistry and the acting. But it's like, but cinema, like, wise, because most of the movies that we watch, there's something special about it that made it really, really stand out. And like this one, I'm just like having trouble, even though I love it. Yeah. To me, this movie, I, I agree with you. I think it should be on the list. I it's I'm, I'm in their same boat. It's like, yeah, like for I was shocked to see it was at 47. But then I'm like, you know, I, I don't hate that it's at 47. And then I was like, but if I was like doing it based off like, my like for me i may put it in the hundreds but like once again i'm i can i can leave it at 47 and just kind of like you know leave it there and have that be all hunky dory but i think also this gave me like coda vibes where it was just like so like fun and heartfelt and funny and it just like warmed me up inside where it was like I I was really enjoying it and it's like it might not have to leave like a legacy on film but like it's also like just like a really well-made movie. Yeah. I mean, with Coda that's a little different because Coda was like the first like big movie that came out that was primarily like in sign language. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, highlighting like deaf people and their acting and everything like that. So like proving that it's like, yeah, we really can like make a movie with people who like, yeah. you know, sign, you know, they don't like have to speak. Like that's not the only form of acting that one can do. I mean, I would say that about this movie, but the guy who's the quadriplegic isn't actually a quadriplegic. Yeah. So it's kind of like, I can't really give it that like great that it's, it gave like, I know that the, the director and got and or the writer, one of them, got like 3,000 thank you notes for representing the handicapped community and so it's like I'm not going to take that away from them yeah it's just like I'm fine with it at 47 but I'm uh, based on like the way that we have been ranking the movies and Mm -hmm. talking about them that's where I run into like my issue where I'm like is it is it too high because it's just like a really generally just like a good movie with like good acting good story editing but it's like we've seen movies like that before that aren't even on the list. 
No, yeah. I mean, I mean to to that conversation, like Coda's not even on the list. Exactly. So it's like Technically though, the guy who who was the 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 guy who the guy the quadriplegic did write this film or help write this film. So he was involved too. But I just yeah, I, I'm not comparing it to Coda in like that way where it's like with the deaf community and all that stuff. I just meant like it's just one of those like feel good movies that I think is culturally appreciated everywhere and it's like that might be why it's in the list as well yeah jimmy what do you think i mean when i first saw it i was like have you seen this before no i've never okay. seen this before uh and i was like oh and i was just looking to see did it get nominated for best uh foreign language picture of that year and i was like no but then like i saw that i was like oh fuck this is at 47 i was like okay maybe like in the 150s i thought like you know like the 100s and the triple digits but i was not expecting it to be at 47 like beating some of the like you know classic movies Mm -hmm. and stuff like that and the more loved films just because it's i mean in america it's such a small you know film not really many people know about it unless they've done research after watching the upside mm-hmm. so I-, I was just so surprised at what it was able to do and i mean i don't know i have to look but i mean there probably aren't that many recent foreign films that are at that high in the list i think the only one i can hold on i can give you i mean quick, i know I seven samurai up right is up there what are you considering recent? Like from with, when to when? From within, when on? Uh, within like that, within the at last least 10 the last years. 10 to 15 years. 10 to 15 years? Okay, hold on. Well, Seven Samurai is not 10, 15 years, but that's on there. Life is Beautiful, but that's not 10 to 15 years. Uh, City of God. Is that a foreign? I think that's a foreign film. Um, Spirit of the Way is on here at 32. That's over 20 years ago, Spirit of the Way. Parasite's at 34. Um, there, there, There's nothing from the... Except for Parasite. Uh, but all of those are also like uh, Academy Award winner winning films. They're, they're you know, cultural um, landmarks in film, I feel. Like this movie, it's just kind of like there. And it was such a small movie that didn't have much of an impact, but it, it just, people just resonated with it. And I feel like that's why it's such a high I will a say also, at number, at number 50, um, a new 2023 Indian film called The Twelfth Fail just entered the list at like the beginning of the month, and the beginning of January, and it's already at number 50. And I, I, mean, I would have to say, though, for some reason, Bollywood films, they are always on the top 250. Mm-hmm. And I... I don't know. I mean, I know Bollywood is is huge in India. Like it's you know because that's like their big well, like Southeast Asian thing. Like it's, it, it's but it also I mean there's theaters by us that that play first run movies here, mm-hmm. but then they're also playing like two to three Bollywood movies every week that that aren't playing in any other theaters. So like Bollywood, I feel like has made its its way to. America mainstream just like how South Korean films and TV shows have kind of been brought over by Netflix and have made such a big impact on American culture so I mean it's just there's nothing really it's it's just I I just found it so surprising that a film that didn't didn't make a cultural impact on I mean it must have at numbers it's number 47 but it you know, it's just 
people don't really talk about it that much as as being that big of a film, but it must have resonated with people. Now, do you think do you now I'm assuming you agree that it should be on the top 250 list? It should definitely be on the top 250 list. And I feel like more people should know about it. I just don't, I just feel like people don't like watching foreign films for the fact that you have to, you know, actually pay attention. You can't multitask. Where would you put it, though? I would say probably in the like 100 to 110 in that area. But are you okay with it being at 47? I'm fine with it being at 47. I want to know. I I just want to know more about why it's so high. I think that's what's what's right for this movie. What's right in front and after it? Does it see how? Yeah, I have it. Um, Above is Casablanca at 46. And then below is Modern Times at 48. Okay, so you have a Charlie Chaplin silent mm-hmm. film, which, you know, the dawn of the filming film era. Then you have Casablanca, which is one of the biggest romantic films of all time. And has, I mean, if you, I mean, it's, you have quotes from that movie, people say, and I mean, it's literally the theme song for Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. the score to that film. Like, so even if you didn't see Casablanca, like in its entirety, like everyone knows what Cas- Casablanca is. Yeah. Yeah. So like, it, it, yeah, exactly. Like what Jimmy was saying, like, it's just like there, like you're not upset about it, but it's like, why is it there? That's the crazy thing. We all have said the same thing. We all sit around like if we were choosing probably in the hundreds, but every time we're like, but we're cool with it being at 40, like 47, like. I, I would not move it where it is, but if I was making it, I would put it lower. I just find it funny that we all said the same thing. I mean, I would love to see the breakdown on IMDb of what countries, Mm -hmm. like uh, how they rated this. Because, I mean, if like, if this is the biggest French film of all time, of course, they're going to all rate it at 10. And like, if a majority comes from France, it's going to like, the algorithm's going to be, you know, more towards like, this is a great film. Yeah, like that, like you know, it's 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 just the algorithm. There's somehow. a whole method you can Google it. Like I, it was too complicated, like to to even explain right now. But like, there's this whole like equation thing that they do for the top two fifty. That like, I, I'm, I yeah, I wonder where a lot of the votes for this movie do come from. I mean, we don't know how many people like in Europe vote, mm-hmm. like make votes on this because apparently this movie is basically like a Casablanca. Not not like that's the only thing I'm thinking because we just said yeah. it. It's a Casablanca in European countries. Is this the highest grossing French film? Up until Lucy. Up until Lucy. So it made like what? 600 million? It 650 ma- million? With like, you know. Adjusted like or unadjusted? Adjusted. 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 Uh, um, like 650, yeah. Yeah, so I mean. I can't think of a move, but that's. I mean, I can only think of billion dollar movies right now in America from like the last year or two, but. Like a, it's a huge, like let's like Little Mermaid, that made around six hundred million. Yeah, it's like a two hundred and fifty million dollar Disney, rem a live action remake. If that had come out today, and it's a, a story about uh, a, a a man from the projects being a caretaker for a paraplegic and forming a friendship, and like, I also, I, would I you also think love... that? Ooh, you think that tagline, you know, is six hundred fifty million dollar box office receipts? No. 
no. Yeah, they, so they I, tried it, to do it. And it didn't I also, work. I love the I love the budget too. Like when you compare, like the I was like, I'm curious. This made so much money. The budget had to be small, like less than ten. It was ten point eight million. Like I'm and, and I was like, that's back in like 2011, so it might have gone up a little bit. But like that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, but no, I see it at like a, a ten a ten million dollar movie is like an indie film now. It's yeah. it's. I mean, if you go anywhere below five million, it's it's like you know they pretty much did nothing. Unless it's an A24 film. <laughs> yeah, unless they're like, here's $5 million. Like, you know you can do it. We want it to look like grit. Then you go below you go below a million, then you just get horror. But yeah, because I, I, I was reading a lot of the reviews, and a lot of them did more. A lot of them were from like within 2020 to now. And a lot of them came from people in America because they said they like kind of explained like either they didn't really watch foreign movies a lot or they, they do watch foreign movies a lot. And they just like heard about it, like they came about it and always wanted to see it. So I am, I am curious. Like, I wish there was like a like a whole like group of people you could just like talk to and like ask. Okay, a hundred of you in the theater just saw it. Explain to me why it's like why it should be like number forty-seven on the IMDb top two fifty. But and I feel like you might get different answers with so many different people. If you're talking about if a lot of the reviews, Erica came after twenty twenty, that would be after Par. Or there's two reasons. Yeah, that's after, after Parasite. Parasite won Best Picture. And people are like, oh, okay, I watched Parasite and it was great. And I didn't mind reading the subtitles or, you know, I watched it dubbed when it was online, mm-hmm. which people do. Um, Or it could have been like, I'm literally trapped in my house right now and I can't leave because of COVID. Oh, this has good reviews. Let's watch this. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's two reasons why after 2020. But I, I do think Parasite ushered in oh, the Parasite and Squid Game. Mm-hmm. Both South Korean ushered in American being like, oh, we can actually watch something subtitled and mm-hmm. enjoy it. I think South Korean, South Korea, just in general, its entire entertainment industry has overtaken the American industry. Like we're even doing like here in America, we're doing remakes of like their variety shows like um, The Masked Singer. That's from South Korea. That was on South Korea for like years before it came over to America. And then America adapted it. And now it's like one of the biggest shows like on weeknight television. And it's like the same with we South Korea has really changed the landscape when it comes to foreign films or just foreign entertainment in general. Like, you know, people are listening to K-pop. I love K-pop. I have no idea what they're saying. But I love K-pop and I love K-dramas and everything like that. But it's just like people are now just like it, it, it's changed the entire landscape. Like people are more open to like watching like foreign films with anything with subtitles. Because let's also face it, like even with Coda, like had Parasite not come out and had this entire phenomenon not happen, Coda might not have made the same impact because people might not would have. Mm-hmm. people are like i don't want to read yeah now do you, you let me oh sorry you ha- and it's not even just that but you have to watch coda because the only way for deaf people to communicate their expressions are paramount in communication mm-hmm. so your eyes need to be trained onto the tv or movie screen at all times for that all times 
do you think also like Netflix was a big part of like ushering in? I think you might have said this, Jimmy, ushering in like foreign films because it's so readily available and there's so many of them. And now like you just put that on like your for you and people will will be more likely to click on it than they were before, especially with Par- after Parasite. Do you think like Netflix has also helped kind of sustain that sort of wave of like, you know, this like new kind of like not craze, but, you know, this new phase? Netflix specifically, I would say it has helped. I know like before Netflix was really big with K-dramas and stuff, I was just watching them on YouTube because that's the only way that I could consume it. Or like Vicky, which is like a big, has like a large database of Asian dramas and movies and stuff like that. But Netflix really did actually like pave the way. And other streamers like Hulu and even Disney Plus, they're desperate to replicate that like Mm -hmm. there are some hulu specific shows that are just um k dramas that are just on hulu um the biggest one that they had i think so far is moving which a lot of people still haven't even heard of i watched it and i loved it but like that was a pretty big one and like even disney plus they have k dramas on there but like they haven't really hit that hard i think the biggest one they have stars um Blackpink, um, um, Jisoo from Blackpink, but like that also was a big controversy in South Korea, so it didn't really do as well as they had hoped. But yeah, like Netflix definitely played a huge part in bringing foreign films to mainstream America. Now, I want to, I do want like more about the movie. I did want to ask you a question because I was reading a lot of the reviews and people were very like mixed on the like on the writing and the screenplay mostly just the story mostly some people said it was like extremely touching how they balanced the humor and the heart uh very well and then some people were like it was charming but like you know the plot's super simple and didn't really get it didn't like persuade me to like love this movie and they're like it seems like overhyped to be like top 50 of the top 250 what did you think of the story I love the story, but I do agree that it's a simple story. And the real reason that it's elevated is because of the chemistry of the cast. The cast's chemistry is really the star of this movie, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Because this is a very simple movie. Like, how many movies have we seen where it's, you know, know, someone who has a handicap and then their caretaker and they develop a friendship? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, but it's very rare that we get one where the chemistry between the two leads is so compelling that you just can't take your eyes off of them. For example, the remake, you have Kevin Hart, Brian Cranston, two two actors that people love. Well, Kevin Hart, especially at that time, people loved that. Again, I think that was his peak. But I didn't see the movie, but it's clear that their chemistry wasn't didn't exude that same magnetism that this one that these actors did so i did see it and like i was i wanted to bring this up because i i I just wanted to refresh myself on the movie because and i read the rotten tomatoes like why people like rated it the way they did and they did say the chemistry was there it just wasn't used to its potential because with this movie i feel like yes the cast and the chemistry helped this movie and that was one of the main things that like make you love it but also the balance i think of the humor and of the heart it was just the perfect balance and the execution because really like in my head i'm like oh they're gonna ruin this story and have like a like have a 
have a cliche where they get into a fight and then they they have to separate in the middle of the movie and then they come back because they know they're true friends. This one didn't have that. And I was like waiting for it. I was like, okay, maybe they won't do it. And I think that also is where it differed from the American movie where it was all cliches to the point where the chemistry couldn't like get multi-layered and really fall for each other, like fall for them as characters because they were just like one cliche over the other and I like trying to replicate it, but like not doing it any justice like it had a little bit of heart a little bit of humor but like one percent compared to like the other one which everything was like perfect with the tone well so, probably uh, because it was yeah. so simple that, yeah that's it, it didn't need any of the other cliches it just needed to be you needed to get from point a it was almost like i mean i know matt you hate these things but it was just like a you know a point in time Mm-hmm. We follow this guy and he just happens to, you know, get this. He's just like, I just need you to sign this so I can get my, like, you know, unemployment that I'm actually looking for jobs. But, you know, you kind of see like the, a slice of life you're saying. Yeah. And you kind of see the the um, that. Oh, he's kind of found his calling. He's actually a good caretaker. And the 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 handicapped uh, character is getting like is getting this like you know he's not being treated like he's handicapped like he said i liked when he kept trying to hand me the phone because he kept forgetting i can't move anything below my neck so, and i that i thought was like, such a great line when when he said that because you're like oh he's actually like treating him like you know a normal human who has no disabilities also yeah yeah you're right like this i'm slice slice movies are hit or miss for me but it's done when it's done with really good execution that's when it's really good and this one to it's a it's it could go either way this this is super simple and it could have backfired tremendously but i think it 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 did it so i'm gonna i'm gonna say like so perfectly that yes there were little things here and there i'm like okay it's simple it has that that element but like you needed it and also you didn't care because you were like engrossed with the two of them and just like fell in love with those characters Mm-hmm. no yeah i have to agree with you so i didn't see the upside um but i read the plot of mm-hmm. it and i agree with you matt that it's riddled with cliches and one of the things that i think where they went wrong besides like the the normal tropes is that changing the character of driss for to I don't know why they made the decision to make it like, oh, he like can't go back to his wife and child. So the, in the American version, it's that Kevin Hart is like, it's his family. It's a wife and child. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, you already know where it's going to go in that situation. Like here, it wasn't a wife and child. He was just part of a family that like, full of like half, like the, that he's not fully related to that. It's just like, all over the place, like a little bit more of a complicated and interesting family life versus, oh, he's just kind of like a, you know, a deadbeat dad, deadbeat husband. And it's like, that's not appealing. It's not appealing because there's only really one way, two ways for this to go when you're a deadbeat dad or a deadbeat husband in in a movie. Yeah. You either, you know, hit the high and remember, this is what life's about, you know, and I've I found my calling or you don't and your character ends up dead or back in jail. You hit, you hit one of two cliches. Like it's like you, you hit, you hit a cliche no matter what. That's yeah. It's like, it's like a fork in the road. Which yeah. way are we got to go with the cliche this way or this way. Mm-hmm. Exactly. There's no room to breathe. 
and in the character of Driss here, it's like even when he had separated, like Jimmy said, even when they had like decided to separate, there was no animosity. Yeah. And like Driss's life wasn't completely destroyed or anything like that. He and there wasn't like went... a sad montage of them walking by themselves or yeah. like sitting there by themselves. Well, I mean, with with the guy, um, with Philip, yes, there was because he but was... I, that was but that was but like, like... Not, it wasn't cliche to where it was more like just like, oh, this is he doesn't enjoy himself as much. Yeah. And but like with Driss, it was just kind of like like Jimmy said, slice of life where he's just mm-hmm. like, all right, this phase is over. I'm going back to my family. I'm still going to go hang out with my friends who smoke and just sit outside the apartment. Like I'm not torn up that, you know, I, yeah, sure. I miss the guy, but it's not like my whole life revolved around it. Yeah. You know? And it, it just like, wasn't dramatic. It was just kind of like, that's like an actual slice of life versus what I read of the plot in the original. And I'm not the original, the remake where it was just like, they got in a fight. Then yeah. they were like, "Oh, we need to get back together because, like, we're real, we're best friends in the entire fucking world." And it's just kind of like, no one does that. And like another thing with the a remake, from what I can remember, because I really don't remember that much because it wasn't that great. Like they gave you all of both stories all up front, and like with this one, like you know, you realize there was like a complicated thing with the family with Driss, and like you didn't really know what it was, and like you know, they had like you know, like he was looking out for the kids, but then he was fighting with the what what you thought was his mother. And then, like, it kind of, like, peeled back that it really was his aunt that took him as from his mother and raised him and then had a bunch of other, like, half-siblings. And then even the even uh, Philippe, I think his name was, like, you just kind of, like, peeled back little things with, like, the daughter. And, like, you know, why is he just, like, not care about it? Oh, because, like, you know, his wife, he, he, his wife died and all that stuff. And then he loved to go skydiving and just peeled back little layers throughout the movie instead of just dumping all this, like, information at you yeah. at once. Exactly. And just the fact that, again, it, they didn't play in the cliches or tropes about the characters. You know, Philippe wasn't a recluse. Mm-hmm. He wasn't like someone who was just like... He wanted uh, to go outside. He, he wasn't like me before Sam Claflin and me before you, where he was like, mm-hmm. my life's over. I don't want to do this. Like, I hate everyone. I'm going to give every single person a hard time. He's like, no, nah, I'm just trying to live my life, but like, live a life. Mm-hmm. Not like, you know, not hindered, not being reminded, oh, you can't do this. Like, this is my life now. This is how I'm supposed to go. And that's the biggest thing. Like, and they both weren't like amazing people. Like he basically yeah. was like, I, yeah, I'm a shitty fucking dad. And everyone was like, yo, get your shit together. Your daughter's a fucking nightmare. You and know? he was the only one to call him out on it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because that... like even the, um, the, the other woman who I thought was excellent in this, they don't know which one, name. the maid Yvonne? or the like assistant Yvonne, Yvonne. Yvonne. Okay. Uh, when he turns to her and he's like, he's not that bad, that she's not that bad, and she like looks at him and she goes, yeah, he's she's a fucking monster. <laughs> she was really good too, actually. She was so, like an unspoken like MVP besides the two of them, and like the two of them got along. Driss and Yvonne got along, got along like so, uh, like they they got along so well together because I felt like they worked off of each other. It's mm-hmm. like nice to see where it's like it's not just the two leads. It's like it was nice to see them working as a team, being like, "Yeah, we're like actually like a team." Like, yeah, we're we're going well together. Like the scene where they were where she was like sitting there like eating the cookies. Like I guess at, I think at his party. Yeah, and I forgot what they're talking about and about wanting him wanting to get with the like the, the red yeah. berry. And then they were just having that whole thing, and it was just like they're genuinely like friends. Mm-hmm. 
and, and then he goes stop eating the cookies you don't have any emodium left <laughs> yeah he's like i don't think that's a good idea and it but was like, also just oh sorry and it was I also have, oh it was sorry. funny it was a funny movie too i was yeah I was at so many things it was really funny it was it was great to see like they're also individual kind of thing like him with the painting and stuff like that and like how they got to sell it for like eleven thousand euros and then it was like ter- heartbreaking to watch philippe with like him leave the restaurant as soon as the girl walks in it was just like it made you laugh and go like oh god my heart like i can't with this movie at the same time and it's not it's very it's very hard to do that well it can be done and felt very cliched and like you feel it here and there but it's very hard to feel it throughout the entire movie no yeah and it's especially like just funny because the painting part in general because like i know he was like you know i felt it when i was seeing the music but in real life you were just like he just painted fucking random shit (laughs) and like and like it's he just finds it amusing for the fact that all these rich people were just like oh my god it's a work of art and like in reality he was just like because that was the only time he painted you didn't see him paint again yeah because he was just like this is just fucking splatter he said that when they're at at the museum he's like are you serious he's like that's just splattered paint and he just did it and it's just like i don't know it, and i liked that they weren't like oh he's actually like a secret artist at heart it's like not nah, yeah. he like literally just threw random fucking shit together yeah. it was like i got like over ten thousand dollars for nothing yeah 100%. well that's because philippe was like no this is like this up-and-coming person like you better get on this now or before it becomes too expensive yeah. <laughs> Did anyone else watch throughout the movie, like watch for like the guy who played Philippe, see if he was actually like staying as still as possible? Okay. Cause that was like looking at his hands. I was like, I, I, I don't see any movement. Or did you? I read though there was a goof. Oh, oh was on there? On IMDb on the goof section, it says that on in the scene where Driss is like putting on the suit and stuff like that, they're like, if you look, you can see Philippe, like the actor who plays Philippe, like raise his legs like for a split oh, second. Oh, really? Yeah. But, but to, I mean, besides that, he did a really good job. I, I was I, like, I didn't know. I was like, I have to Google whether or not he's actually quadriplegic. <laughs> I though, when when uh, Driz was like first starting there, and he was pouring the tea <laughs> on him, <laughs> and, like putting the hot kettles on him, I'm like, oh my god, he's gonna get an infection. He's gonna get burnt, and it's gonna get infected, and he's not gonna know. I was, I was like, oh, this is just too much too stressful. That made me laugh because I was also just like Jimmy. No offense, but I like pictured you doing that. <laughs> Like secretly just being like, like just doing it and be like, well, I mean, he's asleep. Let me see. Let's see what happens. I could see, even though I know you probably wouldn't, a little part of me can picture you doing that to someone. He would do that to me if I like he was taking care of yeah, me. If, it, if I yeah. ever came paraplegically, he just would test it out. And like he'd just be like, what's all these burn marks? Oh, I don't know. I just was, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I you 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 must have fallen into an oven. Yeah, yeah, that's what happened. It's like, why are all these knives sticking out of my hand? <laughs> it's like, and Jimmy's just like, you tripped. Somehow you tripped into an, an entire drawer full of knives. <laughs> I will say this was like, I think this is like the, the not the good parts of the IMDb top 250 list where it's like you get these movies where it's like, we may have not have seen this if it wasn't for like you know doing this for the podcast and like it upsets me because like this movie was so good that like i might have not have seen this movie and i think that's what's great that it's on this list so it's like more people can get it like see it maybe if i put it on netflix i feel like it would have a second blow up again if it was on netflix i would have never watched it even if it was on netflix because i would have read the description and been like i already know where this movie's fucking going you know that's the best part It, it takes you for a different ride that might be why it also hasn't blown up here in America. Possibly. Because I don't think talking, the remake helped. 
No, it didn't. But it's also just like if reading from reading the description, it you automatically are like, this is gonna be a cliched movie. Like, this is gonna happen. This is gonna happen. Like we've had a meet before you. We've had a bunch of movies like this. Mm-hmm. So like you know, even like movies with old people and caretakers. Like what I don't know why I'm thinking about, but Saint Vincent with Bill Murray, where he's just like a grouchy old person, or even a man called Otto. Mm-hmm. Where it's like they don't, it's not necessary. Which is another American remake. Yeah. But it's like also, it's like obviously they don't have caretakers, but it's like grouchy people or someone. Like you all, you, I, you would automatically assume that Philippe is a grouchy person. And then Driss is just like, oh, we're going to be friends and then we're going to get mad at each other. Then we're going to mm-hmm. like the exact remake. So, well, that's, that's, that's the problem. That is the remake. They, they fell for every cliche, which I just think means that it wasn't a good director and it wasn't a good writer because they couldn't capture that same magic. Yeah, exactly. Anything else before we move on to the back end of the show? No. So that means it is time for let me share my screen. Yeah, Movie grid. Okay. I was like, did I do this today? And I was like, no, I didn't. Okay, so we have on the top, Kate Winslet, genre, drama, released from 1990 to 2024. That's been very popular, I feel like, the last ones we've done. And then we have on the left, Jude Law, Kathy Bates, Jim Carrey. Oh, I feel like this one might be hard. Um, Kate Winslet and Jude Law. I literally can't think of anything right now. Oh, no, The Holiday. Uh, oh, yeah. Yes. I was like, I can't think of one. I have I think the, the other two, but I think that's the only movie they're in together. No, there's no. no. Jude Law and drama. Alfie. Well, I mean, you guys don't have to automatically put what I say, but I'm just saying, like, do you guys have Yeah, sure. Do Alfie. You know what it is? I like I know of it. I never seen it. So I was like, oh, that might be like a obscure one to get like, you know, higher points. What is that a comedy? No, no, no. 3.5. Released from 1990 to 2024. I only know of two. Uh, The talented Mr. Ripley. I was going to say that or closer. What are we going with? Uh, both are probably going to be high. To be I high was to thinking guess. closer. That was one of the two. So tell me which one. I think one. closer or, might be a little less. The Fantastic Beasts. And the uh, uh, in the <laughs> closer. 2.5. Oh, okay. I love that movie. See, I'm surprised that's so low. I feel like that's somewhat of a known movie. But I guess no one would think of it, maybe. Uh, Kathy Bates, Kate Winslet, the Titanic. I think Titanic or the or is... no or a uh, revolutionary road. Is she in Revolutionary oh, Road? Yes, she's Kathy in the Reader or Revolutionary Road. I think it's no. I think it's Revolutionary Road. I don't think she's like, in the Reader. I don't. I don't think she's in Revolutionary Road. No, what it, she is because I remember there being all these articles saying like Leonardo DiCaprio, Kate Winslet, and Kathy Bates reunite for Revolutionary Road. Well, then I can okay. put something else. But if we put the, well, the other thing is Titanic. So yeah. let's 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 go for a wild card. You can do Revolutionary Road. I don't remember her in Revolutionary Road. No, you were right the first time. No, I know. Oh, I'm scared now. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, Kathy Bates, Drama. Or what's um, the movie? The one you hate, Richard Kelly. Jewel. Yes, Richard Jewel. Jewel. I don't hate it. I just don't think she deserved a nomination for it. Oh, Wait, should gonna... we save that for released from or no? Does someone else have something else? Mm-hmm. I was going to say... Um... You can do Dolores Claiborne or about Schmidt. Okay, we'll do that. Dolores, that. wait for this one, right? Jimmy drama. Yeah, Dolores. Okay. Do do Dolores Claiborne. Do like Dolores. 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 D o l o r e s. 
Dolores, okay. play Warren. No, I know. I just wasn't sure if like that's how you were spelling Dolores. I know it was a D-O. Uh, what other way did you spell Dolores? I don't know. People spell their names weird. Um, And then Richard Jewell? Yeah. Yeah, why not? Watch, imagine this is like 30. Oh, two points. Guys, we're doing, except for the holiday, we're doing fantastic. Um, And in case I- everyone's watching or listening, getting the lowest percentage is good. So, just in case no one knows who the movie grid game is, um, Jim even Carrey, though, Kate, even Winslet, though when we play it separately, only, Matt doesn't do it that way. No, I, the I only go for one, popular. The only one Eternal, I can think of is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless, spotless mind. mind. I don't think they've been in anything else together. Sonic. No, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah. That's okay, good. Is. Thank God. Jim Carrey drama. Is 23 uh, considered drama or horror? The number 23? Oh, is that what it's called? Yeah. I was going to say for drama, you I mean you can do Man on the Moon, you can do Truman Show. Truman Show, I, I feel, feel like it's too popular. Yeah. So do I Man on like the Man Moon. On, I feel like Man on the Moon is. You can do it. I just think that that might be high-ish too. But... Let's see. 13. 13. And then all I can think of is Sonics. <laughs> no, I, I mean, there's Liar Liar. There's The Mask. Um, oh, Kick Ass Two might be a good one. I feel like. Oh, Kick Ass Two, do that one. Yeah. Mr. Popper's Penguins. <laughs> yeah. Two points, Ooh, guys. Oh, we did Game really over. Good. We got nine for nine. Top two. Top two percent of today, guys. Virtual high fives. That was great. You know what? I wish. I wish it did similar to the Critics' Choice Grid, where it, it tells like, you everything else. It tells you all the other movies you could have chosen. I mean, no, it's switch literally over to Critics' Choice. It's literally only Kate with Eternal Sunshine. Oh, okay. So, moving on. MVP, LVP, most valuable player, least valuable player. Kelly, what is your most valuable player? The chemistry. Jimmy? The screenplay. I was going to go with Omar Sy. And I remember I remember watching this. And I was like, I know they're trying to make him work in America. And he just, besides like Lupin, but that's not really an American show. It's just on Netflix. He hasn't hit it big. And I'm like, I hope this guy hits a big soon because he is very good. He was very good. Um, least valuable player, LVP, Kelly. Least value, the Emodium. <laughs> Jimmy? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to say the daughter. She was That's, annoying. I was going to say the daughter because I, I was going to during the conversation we were having be like, and the supporting characters are so good. But then I was like, no, the daughter sucked. I was going <laughs> to be honest, but the Emodium. <laughs> Emodium, if you take enough, you can get like high from it. I don't think he can kill you. I mean, you will just be constipated for like weeks. But that but could t- kill you. But but Tylenol, girl. Tylenol, that that actually, if she took too much, that would just shut down her liver. So I'm like, the Tylenol, he's like making fun of the Tylenol. I'm like, no, the Tylenol is actually serious. Like that, you can go to die. But I was laughing hard when he was like, wait, did you take all of this Imodium? <laughs> and I'm just like, she, this dumb bitch don't even know. Like, she, also, oh, I, I guess I could also say the boyfriend. Yeah, mop head. Yeah, when he had the beret on, I was laughing. (laughs) (laughs) When he he brought croissants and and stuff to Yvonne, so he was a good, he was a little good boy. Don't I was gonna say, Jimmy, I know where that sentence is going. Don't finish it. You know what it is though? The emotion. I was like, I literally was like, oh no, that poor girl is in trouble. (laughs) You in danger, girl. It was like you may not die, but you're good. But you're gonna hate yourself for the next couple days. And uh, oh, finally, ratings. Um, I was actually going to give this like an 8, 8.5, but like talking about it made me love this movie even more. So I'm going to give it a 9. Kelly? 
I'm going to give it a 10. I really like it. Ooh, that's rare for Kelly. I love it. I was going to give it a 9. So it's going to be a 9.5, I think. It's going to be way too high. (laughs) No, 9.3. 9.3. We are above the 8.5 out of 10 for the IMDb rating. Yeah, this movie, this movie is great. I, I go watch this movie. If you're just listening to us, thank you. But if you're listening and haven't watched the movie, go watch this movie now. So good. Uh, Jimmy, close us out with some fantabulous clues, please. Okay. Um, wait, are you talking to me? Yes. Okay, oh. you're talking to me. Okay. Um, I hate when you you do that because you don't warn us. And then I'm just like, Jimmy, because you also will ask that question. Can I tell you though? Can I tell you though? That that literally that was like a a last second thing right there. I was like, oh, I can do that. Um, I literally was going to be like, of course he's fucking talking to you. (laughs) Um, we got some child prostitutes, (laughs) and a a taxi. Oh god, these take turns sometimes, and I'm not aware. Um, we should. Wait, get have screen. you ever seen Taxi Driver? No, oh. I haven't. <laughs> I just gave away the movie, but do you understand the child prostitute part? I hope so. It's actually a huge <laughs> part of the movie, and it's played by none other than Academy Award Academy Award nominee Jodie Foster for this film. Yeah, so stay tuned for that for Taxi Driver because I just gave it away. You know it's called editing, Jimmy. I literally go through this movie, this episode, these episodes, and edit. I can literally easily take it out, but maybe I'll leave it, it now because you're yeah, making it chaotic. It because it was funny. Okay. okay, if I get Jimmy's approval, guys. See you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. You can hear us anywhere you listen to podcasts, and we want to hear what you think. So leave us a review. Give us some likes on social media at Pop Poor Review. Click around www.poppoorreview.com. Become a member of our Patreon page, patreon.com backslash review for exclusive content and drink recipes. And one last thing before you go, make sure to check out the Titan Media Collective and Titan Cast Network. Enjoy the rest of your movie Monday. That was a Titan Cast episode.